0: And welcome to All Things Therapy. I'm your host, Lisa Tonkier. I'm a licensed clinical social worker practicing as an intuitive psychotherapist. I'm certified in EMDR as well as a Reiki Level 2 practitioner, and I am available to take new clients to work with you wherever you are in the U.S. or the world through phone, FaceTime, or Skype. Additionally, I have brick and mortar offices in both New Orleans and Los Angeles. The best way to reach me is through my website, which I thought my new website would have been launched by now. I'm working on it with a designer. It's still the old one is up and it's legit. It, it has all the needed information, just not as pretty as the new one will be. So please check me out at nolatherapy.com. It's the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. I would love for you to continue following me on social media and engage with me there. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at NOLA Therapy, N-O-L-A Therapy, and on Twitter at Tahir LCSW. But I've realized if you enter NOLA Therapy on Twitter, my Tahir LCSW will pop up with my orange tree logo. And I really want to thank you as my listener for subscribing and sharing this podcast. I'm going to ask you to keep doing that. It's my goal to become a top 100 podcast on iTunes. And that is done by you additionally rating my show with the stars. If you scroll down a bit on on iTunes Podcasts, it'll show you stars that you can click on. And I would love a five-star review from you if you like what I've been putting out. The theme of my show is changing consciousness one conversation at a time. And additionally, I have a book being released by Inner Traditions Publisher in the fall of 2020, having to do with healing our core wounds through empathy and self-forgiveness. That has been a theme, two themes I've been studying over the last number of years and how it relates to the way we process, like my guest today is a trauma expert, trauma resulting shame, depression, anxiety. And I've discovered that the astrological placement of Chiron, the wounded healer archetype, identifies where our specific core wounding is. And then the remediation is through taking personal responsibility and psychology to heal those core wounds. So that is also at NOLA Therapy. There's a link that you can go to and read more about this book. Join my email list so that I may get it to you. Now I want to switch gears and introduce my guest, who I'm really excited to be with today. In moments, we're going to be with Dr. Guy McPherson. He he holds a doctorate in clinical psychology. His website, if you're following along online, is thetraumatherapistproject.com. Guy has been studying the impact and treatment of trauma and early psychosis. And in 2014, he founded his Trauma Therapist Project, which ended up evolving into the Trauma Therapist Podcast, which is excellent. I have been listening to it, he has over 400 episodes. Additionally, he has Trauma Therapist 2.0. It's an online membership community, and Guy's mission and focus is on raising awareness of trauma. He is motivated and focused upon creating a vibrant global community to support, educate, and inspire new trauma therapists and to change the way trauma is taught at the graduate level. He lives in Oakland. And Guy, I just welcome you and thank you for taking your time to be with oh, us Lisa, today.
1: Lisa, Lisa, who's that guy you just introduced? I want to meet him.
0: <laughs> it's you. You're awesome. <laughs> thank,
1: thank you so much for having me on here. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's a delight. And I just want to say to you, my God, you got so much going on. And uh, uh, rest much.
0: <laughs> I do actually. I've been learning to. <laughs> to get good sleep and I work out six days a week and meditate. And yes, I do have balance. I love, (laughs) I love my work. So it feels, you know, it gets tedious. Like I'm sure it does for you sometime and I I might get overwhelmed, but I love what I do. So it definitely feeds my soul and spirit. Nice.
1: Nice. Well, thank you again.
0: You're welcome. You know, I wondered if I could open up, I noticed on some of your episodes you open up with a quote. And so I chose Mm. one today to kind of set the stage of trauma and for me, the dilemma at the core of trauma and recovery having to do with relationships. So I wondered if I might share a quote of course. by someone dear to both of us. We both know the work of, and you have interviewed, which I would love that opportunity, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, medical doctor, professor, author, and his book, The Body Keeps Score, Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma is, is one of my favorite go-to books. And there's a quote that I pulled, if if you don't mind.
1: Awesome. Oh, please.
0: So Dr. Bessel talks about much of the wiring of our brain circuits is devoted to being in tune with others. Recovery from trauma involves reconnecting with our fellow human beings. This is why trauma that has occurred within relationships is generally more difficult to treat than trauma resulting from traffic accidents or natural disasters. In our society, the most common traumas in women and children occur at the hands of their parents or intimate partners. Child abuse, molestation, and domestic violence are all inflicted by people who are supposed to love you. That knocks out the most important protection against being traumatized, being sheltered by the people you love. If the people whom you naturally turn to for care and protection terrify or reject you, you learn to shut down and to ignore what you feel. So with that, I wanted to open it up to you, Guy.
1: Well, I think you you picked a great quote, and you kind of hit the nail on the head here, uh, and I think we can go in so many directions with that quote, but you know, what has really inspired me and kind of impelled me uh, to, to do what I'm doing is I think what you mentioned in early on is to raise awareness. And, and I started really when I was um, uh, in, uh, I was working at a clinic about uh, four or five years ago and we were treating and assessing kids showing signs of early psychosis, most of whom had experienced trauma. And Lisa, we would get these calls, you know, daily referral calls from therapists and parents and and so forth, and they would let us know what was going on, and we'd have to determine whether or not they were uh, appropriate for our clinic to bring in. But... Without without question, like 99.9% of the time, there was trauma. And it was oftentimes, you know, interpersonal trauma, you know, abuse, sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point, really, where I was like, I, what the heck is going on? You know, mm-hmm. and, and oftentimes people, uh, parents, many times, therapists, sometimes didn't realize the impact that that was having and could happen on on a kid, especially so that that's like you, you said in in the intro kind of my mission is to to raise awareness of this. A lot of people don't understand it and get it. And also when you have instances that have happened, you know, uh, years ago, decades ago, and how, People spend their lives trying to adapt and deal and suppress, and then you know we're, and and then they start acting out or using substances and and people are, are in shock because something that happened twenty years ago could have such an effect. and the the answer is it does. Why? Because it does. It, it, it lives in the body, the nervous system. It completely disrupts. Uh, the nervous system. And then you brought up that good point. I'm sorry, I'm going on here. You got me no, going. No. But, but, it, but but you know, when you talk about that interpersonal violence, that is the stuff that completely just explodes people's sense of safety, sense yeah. of self-worth, self-esteem, and uh, relationships. Are they okay? I don't know who to trust. So anyway, uh, great quote. Thanks for sharing that.
0: No, you're welcome. And I love the different avenues that you're exposing just so early on in our interview, talking about how trauma experienced often leads to substance abuse issues and then the relationship issues that that tie in. So all three things, you know, in concert together can make it really hard for one to just exist in the world in a healthy way and 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 live you know, and, and my, I'm a trauma survivor. I struggle with substance abuse from when I was 13 till just even a few years ago. And I'm 48. And it took me a long time to be able to heal from the things that the people who were supposed to love and protect me did. And I found forgiveness. I found relationships with those individuals. But it's been hard for me to have intimate relationships because that trust issue like I do believe I believe most people are good most people are here to help and serve I am surrounded by love and support when it comes to intimacy there's something that can feel so scary to be that vulnerable Mm -hmm. like the the power someone has to hurt me even if they don't mean to and it's you know so that's been my work in the last few years to really shift that pattern to really trust life and other people and myself so can you speak to that
1: um, yeah, I mean, I think you know when there, as you alluded to in the intro, there's a there's a lot of different types of trauma. I mean, there's you know trauma from accidents or um, bullying, or a lot of people think of uh, you know war trauma when they hear the word. Or PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and even trauma, you know, when you when you talk about that word trauma, a lot of times people are like, No, I've never been trauma, I've never been to war, I've never been traumatized. Mm. You know, and they can get to the point, where, well, no, I've never been raped. Well, there's bullying, there's uh witnessing to domestic violence. Yes. Um, there's uh, of course, sexual assault of various kinds you know want to continue all, all the way up to, to rape and so forth. There's interpersonal violence and uh, that takes place over uh, uh, abuse that takes over a period over years. And uh, what this does especially this interpersonal violence. And again, like you said in the intro, I think quoting from Russell Wedecock, it often happens at the hands of people that the victim knows. Okay, and what that tends to do, oftentimes, is completely disrupt a person's uh, paradigm of what is safe, and especially when this happens at a young age, right? When they're just beginning to develop those understandings uh, and paradigms of of self-trust and self-worth and so forth, and that experience um, oftentimes really kind of disrupts a person's core inner core of safety again of trust of of self worth and what happens is that lisa and i'm sure you know this but this um sorry about that this completely uh impacts the trajectory of how a person moves through the world how a person looks at relationships how a person Uh, values themselves, their, their self esteem. And it's, it's insidious and it can oftentimes go unnoticed by other people because people are able to like kind of cover up, but then things happen and, um, you know, maybe substance abuse happens or acting out happens. And oftentimes we pay attention to those flashpoints or the, that behavior when in actuality what's going on here in the underpinnings is this trauma that oftentimes has gone un, un, un unhealed, un, mm-hmm. untouched. Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll just say briefly, if I may, you know, I had bullying, experienced bullying when I was really young. Okay. and that jacked up my <laughs> so many areas of my life. I mean, it impacted my my self-esteem and and how I carried myself and uh, the degree to which I was able to believe in myself and uh, how I handled myself, how I moved through the world. and it it wasn't until a, a certain point, I don't I don't know maybe five, ten, 10, maybe 10, 15 years ago, where I kind of, or I finally like was really beginning to get how much it, it, it jacked me up. Yeah. And oftentimes people are like bullying. Come on. Kids, kids, that's the way kids act. Well, you know what? It, different people experience Events differently. Yeah. Right. And this is really important. Different, just because one person is going to be traumatized, that doesn't mean another person is going to be traumatized. Um, so there's that whole educational a component, uh, component that oftentimes goes uh, unnoticed too.
0: Well, I think that that holds the statement you said others minimizing bullying just right. propagates the shame that bullied kids feel and trying to keep it secret or feeling like they're not tough enough. And I'm glad that bullying is something so much more spoken about now and treated as yeah. a serious issue that it is because it does lead to damage, self-esteem, self-worth, depression, anxiety, even even suicide in some cases.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's
0: I'm sorry, you went through that,
1: Oh, I appreciate that.'m yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm moving through it,
0: <laughs> yeah, so how did you come to have an interest in in trauma specifically, guy, working well, with trauma survivors and and yeah. people that are be in the field, professionals?
1: yeah. I mean, this this whole bullying part was, you know, looking back, I can see was a major part. i mean, from from, from a really young age, I was always um really attuned to to what was going on almost like hypervigilant hypervigilance in a sense i mean and i don't know if that really happened after the bullying but you know when i was going through uh, school when i was going through um, my graduate program i knew even well even before i got into my graduate program for psychology i knew that i wanted to uh, help people who were in dire situations. You know, when I got out of high school originally, I went into art school and I was there for a year. Then I dropped out and I was like playing music and then I started writing and I was writing fiction for a long time. And then I'm just going to tell the story quickly yeah. if, if I can Take here. Me plenty of time. Take
0: your okay. time. Okay.
1: <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk too much, but it's okay. something happened. You know, I was writing about people living their fullness living their lives living their potential and i was getting to a point where i was finished with this one book that i didn't get published but the phone rang and it was a call from a woman that i had worked with in a restaurant two three years prior and it turned out lisa that she was calling all of her friends to let them know that she had AIDS and she had been living with AIDS for nine years, she said. And basically wow. she was calling to say goodbye. I mean, this woman had so much strength and courage in her voice. When I got off that phone, I was like, I felt so sad for her. Yeah. And I also felt like I was not living my own life. I was not living my own Uh, strength. I felt to myself, there's no way I have that courage. And that point I decided to find it, to test myself. And that led me on this series of trips and adventures. And on one of those was a survival course. And on that course, one of our uh, co-members got really ill and really sick. And I had to help this guy along with this other girl. We had to Carry him and and uh, talk to him and encourage him, and that was the point where I was like, "This is what I want to do." Yeah. So that's 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 the starting point. And um, uh, when I get to graduate school, I knew I wanted to to you know work in the trauma field, and uh, I had always been really excited to put stuff together, which is how the podcast started.
0: Okay, you know I heard you speak about this the story of the woman who cl- called her loved ones to share about having AIDS and I thought yeah. wow what courage she has to pick up the phone and disclose that to people it was definitely an ooh
1: moment it was it was it was one of those experiences where you're with someone in this case it was on the phone with someone who yeah who's in their presence you know who's in the moment who's courageous enough to to deal and face death I mean, and I was, I was, I felt when I got off that phone, like this tele flaming telephone pole, like yeah, steered through my chest. I was like on fire with all these different emotions. And, uh, one of them was like looking in the mirror and seeing like, I didn't have feeling, I didn't have that courage or strength.
0: Well, and, and so then you, you took it and and leapt, you know, you leapt into action and to create what you're doing. And I'm curious in the, the people you're working with, the professionals who were newer to being trauma therapists, I'm curious on one hand, what was your experience like learning to be a trauma therapist and where do you see it that you'd like to fortify it and strengthen and improve that educational piece now?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. So when I was going through my graduate program, you know, when I was doing my internships I was fortunate enough, really early on, just to get training with sensory motor psychotherapy training. So Pat Ogden and Janina Fisher, uh, Pat Ogden really started it. But being taught by Janina Fisher and going through this program, so even though I was really in still in school, I was getting this training and I was working with alongside. These seasoned clinicians, way out of my league, you know, I didn't have mm-hmm. any experience, but when I was in um, my internships, I remember this, one of our supervisors coming in the door one day and she's, she's knocking on the door and she's like, all right, guys, there was like five or six of us there. We were just shooting the breeze until, until we started yeah. We have a client coming in, who's uh, I forget how old the guy was, twenty eight or whatever. Whatever. He'd been incarcerated for eighteen years, and he has a really severe and long trauma history. Who wants to work with this guy? And Lisa, it was like the you know this hot potato. I you knew everyone wanted to do it, but no one really had the experience and I had some experience and this is what I wanted to do. And I kind of like uncompetently raised my hand, (laughs) scared really raised my hand. And, you know, that experience seeing all those other people around there and knowing what it, 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 you know, you asked about, um, where I want this to go it it's it's giving people un, understanding that so much of this work requires you the therapist being authentic mm-hmm. but getting to that point is 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 like oftentimes climbing mountains and you know foraging through streams it's it's not difficult and it requires you to look in the mirror and to do your own work. And like for me to 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 move through how the bullying impacted me, that to me it gets me on fire because it, it it you have to be in the moment to do this work. Yes, you have to you know get educated and and read and read Bessel van der Kolk's book and go through training, but that's not going to count for anything unless you are a person, a human being. Uh, you know, expressing your human beingness, which Manuela Misqueres talks about, and that really, really excites me. That whole process
0: for me too, and and it's also being present. I hear you say, being present with your client in the room and really attuned it's it's a wounding and empathetic attunement trauma wounds you know the the perpetrator is not empathetically attuned to their victim at all and therefore the person experiencing trauma sexual physical emotional or witnessing it experiences all of these like hyper alert symptoms within their own bodies and minds that don't subside when the traumatic experience is over. It can be triggered again. It can be remembered. It can, you know, have all kinds of manifestations years and years later that, that invade without, you know, one's consent, so to speak. And so for me, this work is really the repair of relationship, the, the ruptured relationships a trauma survivor has with their own body, with their own thoughts. Even their body betraying them that, you know, pleasurable touch is pleasurable, even if it's done by someone that you would never want touching you like a parent or a caretaker. So even forgiveness over your body responding as it was meant and wired to respond, for example, and then the associated ways that a person might have coped, you know, through alcohol, drugs, sexual acting out, self-harm just repairing those relationships or ending those relationships to substances, to alcohol, and then creating new, like Bessel van der Kolk talks a lot about yoga, restoring the,
1: right, right. the
0: mind-body connection and the traumatized person. And yoga has been such a big factor in my life. I didn't realize it was helping me with healing from trauma, but that, that makes so much sense when I read what he says about it. And repairing your relationships to being able to have an intimate relationship to your own sexuality. So I like how you're bringing all of this to therapists, to that awareness piece that you spoke about, opening their mind to the awareness of cultivating, cultivating these aspects in their therapy with their clients in the room who are trauma survivors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can talk more about, uh, uh, relationships and, and, you know, it's, it's relationships. Yes. But, the constituents, the elements of relationships, right? And of course there are different types of relationships, but intimacy, vulnerability, being present, um, you know, creative, um, spontaneous, all those things are ripped uh, from the survivor of, of, of abuse of sexual abuse, oftentimes because the abuse takes place exactly within that context, right? Oftentimes the abuse takes place in an, an an environment that's supposed to be safe at a time when one is vulnerable. And so one, as a result, uh, begins to not only distrust what those things mean, but to distrust them, themselves within those yes. Types of environments. Yes.
0: Yes. I'm thinking, Guy, to pause and go to our commercial break so we can do the rest of the show uninterrupted, Let's, if that's okay sounds for good. you. Yep. Okay. So listeners listening today, I have a really cool new sponsor that I want to tell you about. So they are called pray.com and they are a new app on your phone online to um, you can access for prayers, for meditation, for inspirational Music and they're based upon the premise that daily prayer can help you reduce stress, anxiety, and depression. How prayer improves your cognitive function, it lowers blood pressure, and helps you with better decision making because you are operating from a place of more clarity. So, this app, pray.com, has prayers for sleep, it has prayers for anxiety. Um, for relaxation, motivational prayers, and ones that you can play. There's some I saw that are like two minutes and others that are 85, 90 minutes that you can play while you're sleeping. There are also different spiritual stories that you can listen to, the Ten Commandments, et cetera, traditional prayer type stories and narratives. So wisdom imparted from the Bible. They're biblically based and they are offering you as my listener, 60% off a pray offer, but sorry, I'm getting scrambled 60% off a premium subscription. If you go to pray.com forward slash therapy, that is the code related to my show. And they have over 50 million prayers that have been created on pray.com. So go to pray.com forward slash therapy to check them out. And now the station's going to play another commercial.
1: And enjoy.
0: And in all, make the world a better place for everyone. Welcome back. If you've been with us since the beginning, and if you're just joining in, I am Lisa Tai here, and today I'm with Guy McPherson, PhD. He hosts the really cool podcast with over 400 episodes called The Trauma Therapist. Podcast and he has the traumatherapistproject.com and an online community as well. If you are a trauma therapist, coach, healer, professional, and you want some support, it's a supportive online community. So, Guy, I just wrote down before the break the word distrust from mm-hmm. what you were saying. I don't know if you want to pick up there or if there's a, a different tra- trajectory. Well,
1: I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about relationships and it, it just is very interesting to me that, you know, when we talk about trauma, it, every, every word is just so loaded. You know, uh, trauma is, is many things. Relationships are uh, many things. Relationships within the world of someone who's experienced trauma are, consists of these threads of, of vulnerability and, uh, trust and, uh, you know, spontaneity and creativity and intimacy and, and, but all those things as we've been talking about are just eroded and and, and oftentimes is severed, mm. you know, and getting back. To, but, and what happens is someone has to work through, and oftentimes they, they don't work through it, but they go on about their lives. Dealing with all of these threads that have been cut, and what comes up? How do you deal with that? How do you manage that? Oftentimes, you know, substance abuse happens, and acting out happens, and all these things. This it 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 it's just as crazy to me that I don't know. You know, and part of what i want, wanted to do is just bring the discussion up ab- about these issues you know, what you're doing here today. I think it's, I think it's awesome that you do this on your show. Um, Thank you. I love what you do
0: on your show too, interviewing people to raise awareness of trauma. And I love how you just said the threads, like the threads that that's just such a beautiful image in my mind.
1: Yeah, and it's vital, right? I mean, we need relationships. And one of the things that happens with, with trauma is oftentimes people, they, they, they become numb, right? They isolate. They become depressed, right? They, they huckle down and they don't go out or they suppress their emotions and their feelings with substances. Um, the exact opposite of, of what is needed to be in the world and be alive in a sense, um, yeah, so- and
0: I, I like you raising, the substance abuse piece because for real trauma healing to happen, one has to address, addiction, alcoholism, and really, really get that to a manageable place or a place of absent abstinence to be able to, to deal with the underlying abuse and trauma, because otherwise it becomes a a self-defeating cycle that can cause more shame. So I know I like to start there. If someone has a struggle with addiction to really, you know, co-create with them a space where, where they want to be sober, to be clean and, and do that, you know, so they can really help serve themselves better. I wonder how you feel about that.
1: Well, I think, that, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, you, get, you, you talk to someone like Dr. Gabor Maté, you know, who's uh, written a lot about uh, trauma and addiction, and he says, you know, there is no addiction without trauma. You know, in order to heal addiction, you've got to heal the trauma that's behind it. No, all, always, in all cases, there's something under there. Yeah. And again, you know, when we look at trauma as on a continuum of many different things, um, and oftentimes there's can be the trauma of um, uh, uh, lack of attachment. Yeah. And a lot of times people, you know, don't understand what that is. The power behind that, the power of not having that, uh, you know, connection with 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 one's mother or father. In a sense, I mean, these things are 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 real, and we see the the manifestations of them. All around us, every day, and what we look at is instead we look at again, you know, the the kind of flashpoint behavior. You know, we see the homeless encampment, we see the, the people acting out at school, or the person who's abusing substances, or nodding out on the on the corner, and we we can't see what's beneath that, and that to me is is a tragedy, you know, and somewhere. I hope to to light a candle to to illuminate that in some way.
0: You are, you absolutely yeah. are. So, how does trauma therapist two point oh help uh, serve professionals? I'm curious so, about
1: that. Yeah, so I put trauma therapist two point together to help really specifically young younger professionals, or really anyone who wanted to learn about trauma. It could even be a Uh, A somewhat seasoned therapist who really doesn't have any experience in trauma at all, right? So there are a lot of people like that. Um, So, what I did was, I started interviewing, doing video interviews of many of my guests. So, the podcast really is about my guest's journey. You know, how the heck did you get here? These videos, these masterclass video interviews, are really how do you work with. the people you work with within your trauma specialty. And I have people from a variety of specialties on. So we have, you know, art therapists or uh, somatic experiencing therapists, you know, from Peter Levine's work or sensory motor psychotherapists from Pat Ogden's work or energy psychology and Reiki stuff. So I present, I provided a variety of specialties to help people uh, see how these different experts Are working with their clients and that does a couple of things that number one gives people an idea of the different ways that people can work but it also lets people see about what modalities resonate with them and so they can pursue that further so those masterclass videos are one component another component is a private Facebook community we have people from all over the world jumping in there and sharing you know uh, what's going on with them we do monthly calls and I have some ebooks in there, and so forth, um, and that's it. It's it's a place for people to, you know, get help and to be around others who are passionate about trauma, passionate about learning about trauma.
0: That's great. And then you yourself, guy, is it accurate that you do not work one on one with clients?
1: That is accurate. So yeah, okay. I was I was uh, doing Anymore. therapy. Yeah. Right. I was seeing clients when I was uh, going through my um, uh, my internships, and then under my first position when I was working under a licensed clinician, and then I just started doing this. I just started yeah. uh, with this podcast, and that's kind of been a weird thing too, honestly, Lisa. Lisa you know, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm I'm doing that. I was seeing clients, and I love doing it, but now I'm not. I'm doing this, so I have to come. I'm I'm constantly coming to terms with what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, I hear you, and it sounds like it's it's an evolution ongoing. It
1: is. It is.
0: Yeah, I love you know it when though, man. I love it too when you were talking about working with trauma, that, that call from the, from the woman disclosing having AIDS. When I was in social work school in my internship, I was so fortunate to work with a master clinician, Deborah Volker, who was my LCSW supervisor. And she specialized in trauma and, Mm -hmm. and saw that I might have kind of an innate ability to, to do this kind of work. So she gave me some really at the time, I mean, clients that were tough, really severe sexual abuse, domestic violence, uh, physical abuse. And, um, and look, I loved it. I felt like I had the ability to hear those stories Mm -hmm. without freaking out or, or Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, judging the person, like nothing anyone could say would, you know, bother me or, or, you know, I, i startle me so to speak that i really had a lot of empathy and we had a victim of crime act grant that she started she wrote it we received thirty thousand dollars and we grew that grant to over a hundred thousand dollars and we were able to work with trauma survivors for free for the eight years I was at this organization in New Orleans and I got to go to trainings and hear like Dr. Bessel van der Kolk and speak to him. And it just got me really fired up to work with survivors of trauma, especially having been traumatized and going through my own therapy, which I still am in therapy. I feel like it helps being a trauma therapist to be in your Mm. own process, to just have support and also work through the own aspects of my wounding that pops up, not necessarily just with clients, but just in life, how that can mm. happen to us so that I'm I'm really in check with my own emotions and, you know, able to address them with myself and others.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's crucial, uh, you know, doing your own work. It, it's funny when I was in graduate school, when I got there, you know, like I said, I, I knew I wanted to, to study trauma and I was all about, getting information in you know what book do I need to read what article do, mm. do I need to read what um, conference do I need to go to everything was like consuming and I neglected Lisa my own the the importance of my own inner work and authenticity and not that I didn't know what those things were or understand the value, but I didn't really understand the value within the context of doing this work. And so uh. when I first started doing the, the podcast, right, I was um, you know interviewing these people who were really seasoned. And one of my questions was um, if they could share like an early clinical error or mistake. And what kept coming up and up and up over and over was It wasn't not so much that there was this um, rift or a break in a person's ability to uh, execute a particular intervention, right? It was more a rupture in their uh, own ability to be present and authentic Mm. for themselves. And that kept coming up again and again and again. It really highlighted the importance of... The the, the power and the importance of the clinician being themselves, getting to a point where they could be authentic and present and spontaneous and have trust in their own ability to connect uh, human to human with the person sitting in front of them. And that takes a lot of work.
0: It does, Scary. scary. And what you're saying, guy, caused me to think it's kind of funny, but being authentic, you it's okay if you authentically fuck up. You know, at least you're being authentic and then own it and be like, oh my God, like I I am sorry. This blah, 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 like we're, we're all human beings at the end of the day. No one is beyond making right. a mistake, having a reaction. And I think it's coming to that self-awareness of, of what just happened, what you said or did or didn't say or didn't do and, and taking responsibility for that. And that's healing, especially with trauma survivors right. where no one took any effing responsibility for anything is is at the right. core of the damage is people creating great harm, never saying I'm sorry, or being sorry. And living life as if they're the ones that are the problem. So I think when we make a mistake, it's so important to to own it, honestly, because that is healing. It's not about being perfect. It's about being, just being honest and vulnerable and owning up to our part of things. And I think that, that heals trauma.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that does a lot of things too, right? Because oftentimes when a client goes into a therapist's office, there's this inherent uh, imbalance, uh, or d- dynamic, yeah. right? Yes. Therapist is kind of up here and the client is down there, but, you know, and, 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 and uh, you know, acknowledging one, no one's own, uh, mistakes in a sense kind of writes that balance, right. It makes, it makes the person seem like, well, I'm a, I'm a person too. I'm, you know, when I was in, uh, when I got out of school and I got this first job in that clinic, we were seeing uh, assessing and treating kids with early psychosis. I remember, Lisa, one of our supervisors, this uh, really seasoned uh, clinician, he was a psychiatrist, actually. He said to us, if you're going to do this work, OK, work with these kids, you've got to be willing to take off your clinical hat. Mm-hmm. And I misinterpreted this as him saying, like, forget your clinical knowledge. Because here I was like newly minted with my degree. What what, are you joking me? I'm going to take off my clinical hat. What he (laughs) meant was just what you're talking about. We're talking about here is being a human being. And especially within the context of working with someone who's been impacted by trauma, right? But that's not easy because it means what me showing the fact that I'm not perfect or me, you know, showing the fact that maybe I don't know the answer. You know, A lot of people get into this field, as you know, because they want to help. Well, What does that mean? They want to fix. They want to take the pain away, right? They want to give someone else the benefit of their own experience and their own insight. But that's not always what is going to be healing. So right. that whole process of coming to terms with why the clinician is doing this in the first place is the process of becoming more and more self-aware.
0: Absolutely. Guys. So how, I feel like we could just keep having this dialogue. I'm loving it. <laughs> how can listeners find you? I want people to know where to get your podcast. I found it on iTunes. If you can let everyone know the best ways to reach out to you.
1: Sure. Yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, the website is the traumatherapistproject.com the podcast is on iTunes. Just type in, trauma or trauma therapist and it'll pop up there. It's on Stitcher. Um, yeah, that's the best place. And I'm on Facebook, the trauma therapist, uh, podcast, and people can reach out to me and uh, hit me up on uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. I'm um, um, I love talking to people.
0: Awesome. Guy, thank you for being my guest today. This was great.
1: <laughs> you are awesome, man. I thank love you. I
0: love what you're doing.
1: <laughs> All right. Take care.
0: I will. You too. Have a great oh, bye. day. Bye. bye. That concludes my show today with Dr. Guy McPherson of the Trauma Therapist Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and the traumatherapistproject.com, where you can access his online community if you are a professional working with those healing from trauma. Okay, y'all, I hope everyone is well. I wish you a great weekend and week, and I'll be with you next week. All of my love.
1: You're listening to All Things Therapy with Lisa Tahir.